Good morning. Let's start with a quick story before we even get going here today. What do you say? I just kind of feel like maybe it's good timing to tell you a story. It's a true crime story. I love true crime. Big true crime fan. This is one of the, honestly, one of the stories that kind of sucked me into true crime to begin with. And it is the story of the West Memphis Three. Now, if you're into true crime, you're undoubtedly familiar with the story of the West Memphis Three. By the way, I'm sorry for the background noise. I'm recording this while I am in the, the sauce van traveling from Craft Cannery to Copper Leaf Brewing on Saturday afternoon for a one-hour guest bartending gig. I'll get, I'll get a little bit more to that in a second, but just wanted to address the background noise for a second. If you're into true crime, no doubt you have at some point learned about the West Memphis Three. The West Memphis Three is a story that starts very tragically with the murder of three young boys. I want to say they were maybe eight, nine, ten years old, something like that. Shortly after their murder, three teenagers were arrested and charged with the murders. The three teenagers were accused of killing the boys in a satanic ritual now the three boys three teenagers excuse me the three teenagers all had alibis and the reason the story became so famous is because the police really railroaded these three teenagers and essentially you know they were their favorite suspects to begin with and they just ignored any evidence to the contrary and made things look as though these boys were guilty and it didn't help that the teenagers kind of leaned into it early on. Also, I remember it was rumored pretty early on the police were looking at them. And I think Damian Eccles, like the main of the three teenagers, started telling people like, yeah, haven't you heard? I'm satanic. There's no telling what I'm capable of. So it didn't help that they were leaning into it a bit. But nonetheless, they were three teenagers who were innocent, who had been railroaded and uh, charged with these murders and, and given life sentences. There's a documentary, by the way, about all of this. Um, the West Memphis Three. I, what is the name of the documentary? Oh, God. Devil's Not? No, that's the name of the movie. Oh, Paradise Lost. That's what it is. The documentary is called Paradise Lost. Three-parter. And speaking of the documentary, it's in part two that uh, we start to get to the reason I'm even telling you this story right now, and that is we start to be pretty darn sure that these three teenagers are innocent. And we start looking at other suspects. And in the third part of the documentary, we get celebrities like Natalie Maines and uh, the, the, the lead singer from Pearl Jam and a couple other celebrities kind of jump on the bandwagon and they start pointing their finger at this one guy this guy named Terry Dobbs. Terry Dobbs was the stepfather of one of the three boys who was tragically murdered. See, what happened was Terry was last seen with the boys. However, that was never reported to the police until way later. In fact, it was a woman who claims that in the documentary, the first documentary, she learned that the boys were last seen at, you know, I don't know, 3 p.m. or something, and knew that wasn't true, called the police and said, no, I saw those boys with Terry Hobbs uh, at, at, you know, later than that. So I think I'm the last one to see those boys, and I saw them, and when I saw them, they were with Terry. 
put on top of that a bunch of circumstantial evidence against Terry as well that he had clean his house smelled of bleach during the initial questioning when the police were you know looking because remember it was his stepson who died so the police were all over his house uh it smelled of bleach um what else uh, I, I believe there's even a witness who says that they witnessed him once confess to the murders right like there's a bunch of circumstantial stuff around terry dobbs as well and i'm certainly not suggesting the police railroad him but i am saying why wasn't he ever questioned and as it turns out he really had never been seriously questioned as to the disappearance of these boys so a bunch of celebrities jump on the free the west memphis three bandwagon and they start publicly naming terry hobbs as suspect number one now terry hobbs who's just a redneck living in west memphis arkansas gets word that big multi-millionaire famous celebrities are using his name and he thinks well i'm gonna sue them i'm gonna get me some money they're dragging my good name through the mud so he sues them he sends their lawyer knocking on their doors well turns out this was the plan all along turns out natalie mains and all those other people that were part of the free the west memphis three thing knew that if they started to say terry dobbs name or terry hobbs hobbs dobbs i don't know they started saying his name that he would probably sue them and you might be thinking why would they want to be sued Polly? this doesn't make any sense well if you're gonna sue somebody and accuse them of dragging your name through the mud you have every right to do that all you have to do is file your lawsuit and then go to court and prove that what those people said was wrong so terry dobbs again or hobbs now i'm having second guesses that dobbs or hobbs terry sues natalie mains and the other celebrities and now terry goes to court to collect his check except for here's the problem terry has to get up on the stand and essentially prove that what they said was wrong because here's the thing you can actually say anything you want about anybody as long as it's true so terry dobbs starts getting real restless sweating pretty good up on that stand and eventually drops the case interesting isn't that he had to go to court to prove that what was said was incorrect and it turns out once he got in court he realized oh shit this was the plan all along wasn't it let's do a podcast okay so yes as i mentioned i am in the van i am on my way to copper leaf brewing for a one hour guest bartending gig which i'm very excited about i will tell you i've done a million guest bartending gigs in my day and i take it very seriously i do work hard now if clay is listening to this right now and it turns out that i got there and did not work hard clay uh you're wrong no i didn't <laughs> i plan to work hard i do i really do i i like it i like bartending i like work i i do miss the food service industry i always have told everybody i've told my wife that a million times the reason i'm not afraid to take risks in life and in business 
is because I really have no issues whatsoever with just returning to serving or waiting tables or something. I, I enjoyed that life, so I'm, I'm going to have a fun hour. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm out of there at the 61-minute mark. I don't want to work that hard, but I'm in. I'm ready for my hour. <laughs> so I'm on my way to that. Thank you to Clay and everybody at Copperleaf Brewing in Pittsburgh for the invitation to do that. Maybe I'll, I'll uh, if I remember, I'll talk about it next week on the podcast. And quickly, before we get to some content here, can I ask you uh, very quickly, I realize we haven't had a guest in some time. I am not necessarily giving up on doing guests. There could be guests in the future. I'm just not really married to the idea of doing guests all that often. I don't mind doing a podcast where I just kind of talk. And and frankly, the numbers are staying pretty strong, if not getting better with me just talking. So I don't know. That could have a lot to do with the fact that I've been talking about radio and TV drama in the last few weeks. People seem to love that shit. But, uh, you know, I... (laughs) I don't know. It's going well, and I enjoy it. So if you hate it, if you're listening to this podcast going, Polly, I need more guests or I give up, please shoot me a text. You know my number, and if you don't, it's 585-350-5788. Hey, speaking of podcasts, uh, check out the Bagel Logic podcast, Bagel Logic. I just was a guest on that podcast, and we talked a lot about the Grow New York thing, and not just Grow New York, but even the history and the past of um, building the businesses the Guglielmos and the Craft Cannery and stuff. And so that was a really fun podcast to be on. So thank you to them for having me. Uh, another thank you would be to the Avon Rotary who had me out speaking this week. I was there Tuesday evening and I had one of the most delightful surprises I could have ever imagined. Uh, so Avon Rotary, as it turns out, is very heavy into the youth exchange program that Rotary has. And for anyone who doesn't know, I was a Rotary youth exchange student to Italy when I was 16 years old. I spent my entire 11th grade year in uh, in Italy. Well, Avon, uh, I get to this Rotary meeting. It's at the Avon Inn in Avon, of course. And by the way, beautiful venue, great people in Rotary. And I start meeting people. And because I had been billed as, you know, former Rotary Exchange student as a speaker, uh, I start getting a bunch of people shaking my hand saying, well, I'm a host parent and or I, I studied abroad myself or I was, and I would like to say study abroad and, and youth exchange are two different things. Study abroad is typically college, one semester. You usually go with a large group of other Americans. It's fine. It's good. It's very good. I think it's great that people do that. It's not quite the same thing as the youth exchange program. Youth exchange program typically lasts a full year, and you don't go with a bunch of other Americans. You have to assimilate and adopt to the culture. You really get dropped into the culture, and you become one of them. And and I, I just I love that. I think that's you know a big big selling point for the youth exchange program. So anyway, th- listen to this. So I'm talking to all these people, and finally a couple of really young girls walk in. Probably I don't know, 15, 16 years old, teenage girls, and they come walking over to me, and they say, "Hello, Paul. I'm named Benning, and uh, this, uh, and as you can probably guess." They are exchange students from Italy, currently studying in Rochester, one of them in Avon and one of them in Pittsburgh. And and just to make it even better, the one girl I'm talking to, I ask her where she's from. She gets a big smile and she looks at me and she says, Sardegna, which is exactly where I was when I was in Italy, in Sardegna. She was specifically from Cagliari 
which is the uh, main city with the airport in, in, uh, on the island of Sardinia. So been to Cagliari many times, but absolutely loved these girls. I was so excited. In fact, I invited them to our rotary so that they could speak at the Rochester Rotary. Just a huge fan of that youth exchange program, and that totally made my night. You know, being there and, and, uh, and, and meeting a couple of exchange students, just so, so exciting for me. A couple other things from this week. Just last night, my wife and I attended Come From Away at the Auditorium Theater. That was one of the best shows I've ever seen, and that is the second time I've seen it. And I remember loving it last time, too. But, you know, remember Hamilton was just here a few weeks ago, or last month, and, you know, it's tough to beat Hamilton. Hamilton is hyped for a reason. Hamilton is one of those rare things that I've ever seen that lived up to the hype. It's tough to follow that. In fact, you might remember that I did go to see Hamilton on a Friday night back in November, and the very next night traveled up to Syracuse to see Tootsie at the Landmark Theater. And uh, my I liked Tootsie because I actually thought it was very funny, but my wife was not a huge fan, and I think it was because we had just seen Hamilton. I think it's just because Tootsie is a run-of-the-mill, very good Broadway show. Listen, I liked it a lot. I thought it was funny. But my wife was coming off Hamilton, so I think for her it was possibly a quality dip. Anyway, same deal following up Hamilton you got to come out strong and they did come from away is such a good story about a, a, a little town in Newfoundland Gander Newfoundland in Canada where a bunch of airplanes got diverted on 9-11 and uh, tells a great story tons of laughs very funny also some very serious very heartfelt moments the 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 show just does one of the most brilliant jobs I've ever seen of having comedy woven in with you know, hard, serious emotion. And so really, if, if you uh, aren't doing anything today, you're not a football fan, you're looking for something to do. I know today is the last day that it runs, but come from away at the uh, Auditorium Theater. And I think next year we have, oh, we've got Beetlejuice, Aladdin, Six, and To Kill a Mockingbird. So still four great shows to go this season, too, which I'm very excited about seeing all those. Uh, we did spend a little bit of time in the president's club prior to going into the show and guess what the president el presidente was there yes we actually got to see arnie rothschild in the arnie rothschild's lounge it's kind of like seeing a celebrity you know what i'm saying but anyway arnie was there good to see arnie as always good friend arnie says some extremely flattering and nice things to me and uh, i just think he probably says them to everybody i think he charms all the girls that way if you will so another thing that I want to talk about that happened was actually earlier today, remember I'm recording this on Saturday, but my wife, myself, my son, and our uh, neighbor, neighbor's son went to Polar Express at the Medina Railroad Museum. Now, I get it. This may not resonate with you depending on if you have kids and how old your kids are, but if you have little kids there's a really good chance they went through a polar express stage especially obviously at christmas time our son loves polar express we watch polar express at least once a day in our house maybe even twice a day and medina railroad museum does a thing where they actually uh mimic polar express so if you don't know it's a great train museum but they also have a real live train that goes up and down the tracks kind of up from medina goes towards buffalo um, but they actually go all out. They get costumes. The, um, the conductors 
and the ushers on the train dress like the conductor from Polar Express. They even have the helpers who dress like the chefs for the hot, 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 hot chocolate, hot, 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 hot chocolate. For that scene, uh, that song, they give out hot chocolate. They do a reading of the Polar Express book. They bring in Santa Claus. Uh, they have a little section of the train where there's like a tree and a uh, seat and all the little kids get a chance to go and sit on Santa's lap and get a picture. And it's just a really great experience. I mean, I love little great, cool, all-inclusive, like just experiential things like that. And for them to have one for my son, uh, just bonus points. Certainly just bonus points. Um, today is the last day of the holidays at the market, at the Rochester Public Market. Actually, I already lied to you. It is not actually the last day. It's the last Sunday. It runs three Sundays. So the last two weeks plus today. And that also runs this Thursday night from 6 until 9. But we will also be at Rock Holiday Village this week, Wednesday through Sunday. And I do have two team members, my girl Everine, my other girl Lindy, and I. And the three of us will kind of be splitting the time at the Rock Holiday Village. So if you want to come by and see us, we should be doing demos and samples. And Rock Holiday Village, if you don't know it, is a really cool little treasure that they created in downtown Rochester where they turn... Martin Luther King Jr. Park into just a little winter wonderland and they bring in Santa Claus and just all kinds of cool vendors and food and booze and stuff. I did hear one thing though, I haven't been down there yet this year, but I did hear that they did away with the lodge, which was an indoor area with TVs and a bar and stuff. And I hope that's not the case. If it is, I'm sure they did it for a good reason, but that was certainly one of my favorite parts and I thought a very popular part of, uh, of Rock Holiday Village. Uh, football today, Bills-Browns. Uh, Browns play the Bengals. Bills play the Jets. Two rivalry games. Deshaun Watson last week. We talked about it. I'll reiterate, I'm rooting for the team, not the man. If you missed my take on that, you can go back and listen to last week's podcast. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. I'm going to talk about them. It is what it is. Looked like shit against the Texans. Oh, by the way, my favorite tweet, too. I, I didn't even create this, but somebody thought of this, and this is so funny. Everybody was talking about how the Browns stunk. They stunk because their defense stunk. And everyone was saying, you know, hey, when Deshaun Watson comes back, not like the defense is going to magically become great. Well, guess what? The defense was the top-rated defense in the league last week. (laughs) So Deshaun Watson did make the defense better somehow. Not really, though. They just happened to be playing the Texans, who have won one game this season. So it was not real. Meanwhile, the Bills play the Jets. Not a gimme. Bills are a way better team, but not a gimme. Jets are good this year as well, or at least better. They can compete. So that's fun. Both teams play at 1 o'clock. Next weekend, the flex scheduling put the Browns at 430 and the Bills at 815. That is going to be a party. Man, am I excited for next Saturday. Next Saturday is going to be the greatest just because I'll get to uh, I get back-to-back games, no interruptions. It's a Saturday night, so I don't even have to wake up early the next day. I'm so freaking it. Yeah, that's right, because what did I just say? Because uh, holidays at the market is over as of today. Today's the last day for that. So next week, I don't even have to get up early and get that ready to go. Oh, I'm getting excited. I got to already start thinking about what I'm going to make. Speaking of what I'm going to make, we got to talk about something very important, which is two weeks from today, Christmas Eve, Feast of the Seven Fishes. I just found out, and I am so excited, but admittedly a little nervous about this, but I just found out 
that we will have our largest gathering yet for Feast of the Seven Fishes this year. I have 19 people coming to Feast of the Seven Fishes. I'm sorry, 19 adults. I've also got a good half a dozen or so kids coming to Feast of the Seven Fishes. So this is a chance for me to, A, it's a chance for me to shine, ladies and gentlemen, chance for me to show off my culinary skills. But B, this, uh, frankly, is going to be a lot of work. I am getting actually pretty nervous about this. Uh, also, and I'm not, listen, I understand. You might look at my life and you might think what I'm about to say is very whiny. And you might say, Polly, you might want to reach right through the microphone or the speaker right now and say, Polly, shut up. But I'm also a little worried about, uh, frankly, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a little expensive. You got 19 people coming over. Where? What do you want from me? I have set a standard at the Feast of the Seven Fishes, ladies and gentlemen. This is not Grandpa Pete's Feast of the Seven Fishes. See, my grandfather was really good about feeding a ton of people for not a lot of money with fish. Kind of like Jesus, you know? Well, whoa, wait a minute. I don't want to compare Grandpa to Jesus. They were very different people. But, no, I, seriously, my grandfather would do squid, which I did discover with my uh, Amerigan in-laws. That if you call the squid calamari, it goes way more. It goes way better. A lot more people like calamari than squid. Uh, but my grandfather would do just that. Was his like delicacy? Was he would do the squid, and then he had a bunch of other fish he would do too. To do like bacalao, but he would get away with smelt and anchovies and like just all the cheapest fish you can possibly buy. And then he would you know fill in the blanks and stuff with um, pastas and potatoes and things. I set a standard a few years ago. I started doing, like, an appetizer course of crab legs and lobster and, like, shrimp. I would do a middle course of zuppa di pesce. And then my final course would be an actual Feast of the Seven Fishes, on which I do keep alive a few of Grandpa Pete's originals. But also beyond that, I was doing things like lasagna, lobster mac and cheese. I mean, really, really going all out. I don't know if you know... But that shit ain't cheap, especially with the way inflation's been going over the last uh, year, year and a half. Getting a little bit worried about what these crab legs and lobster are going to look like. A little worried. Is it too late for me to pull out on that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh. All right. Well, it's time to get to the bartending here. I am just about to get off the uh, exit at Linden Ave and then try to figure out how to get to Pittsford from there. There's you know, there's parts of Rochester that I have memorized, and there's parts of Rochester I don't have memorized. And there's just a few areas in Rochester when I get to that I still don't really know where the hell I'm going. It's because I'm not from here. Originally. Yeah, I've been here a long time, but I'm not originally from here. I, I don't know. This, next, this is going to sound a little... Man, I hate this. This is, you know, because... I don't know. I, this is going to sound like I'm a little too proud of myself, and I don't like coming off that way. So let me at least call myself out for what I'm about to do here. Because I'm proud of myself about one thing. And I do want to say it, and, and it is what it is. Okay? <clears throat> Being that I'm not originally from Rochester, and have found some success in Rochester... See, I'm very self-deprecating, so I don't like saying nice things about myself. So it makes it hard for me even to be like, I've found some success in Rochester. But okay. Being that I'm not from here, I think has actually helped me to find success in Rochester. I'll explain why. I was thinking about this just yesterday. Something happened yesterday. 
Something happened yesterday that I'm dying to tell you about, frankly, but I can't tell you yet because it's not public knowledge yet. I actually had two things in the last two weeks that have happened that I have really been dying to tell you guys about that I, I can't talk about because, again, I'm waiting for them to become public knowledge. So um, they are, uh, yeah, it's not, don't worry, it's, it's, it's not personal. So, you know, there's no pregnancy. That's not what it is right now because um, that's a, a lot of people ask me about. For one, it's not that. The other thing is uh, it's not directly work-related. So if you're thinking, oh, they landed some new client or they've got some new product coming out, it's also not that. And I know you're probably thinking, what the hell could it be if it's not personal or professional? Uh, I'll just I'll tell you, quite frankly, it's philanthropic in nature, and that's about as far as I can go. And I actually have two things that have happened that are philanthropic in nature recently that I'm dying to tell you about, but again, need to wait for them to become public knowledge. So anyway, yesterday I'm having a conversation with a guy. And this guy starts being very kind. You know, he starts saying nice things about me. He starts telling me, oh, you've this and you've that. You know, he's listing my accomplishments. Of course, he's leaving out all the failures, but he's leaving in the accomplishments, which I think is nice. And it came, and, and you know, he said something in there where he said something about, you know, you're just not afraid to go everywhere, meet everybody. You, you know, you, you just, there's nobody that, whose hand you're not afraid to shake. And it occurred to me that he's right and that that is kind of a big deal. And I, I don't even know if I'm doing a good job of, of, of getting across what the hell I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I think I spent so much time in Northeast Ohio as a young, uh, a young man with no confidence no resume, no track record, no record of, of any accomplishments that I think it was so much more intimidating, would have been so much more intimidating to quote unquote make it back home in Cleveland than it is in Rochester. I'll give you an example. I, I went to a Cavs game with my brother a couple of years ago and we had pretty good seats and we had access to this like, uh, you know, under the court club or something that came with food and booze and stuff like that. And we, uh, we go into this little club, and there's this guy. His last name is Misny, M-I-S-N-Y. He's not famous for any reason other than he's a big insurance salesman in Cleveland, and uh, his, his advertisements are all over the place. If you watch the Guardians or the Cavs or the Browns and the local ads, the local Cleveland ads come on, he's kind of like our, uh, you know, William Matar or something. You know, hurting a car, kill William Matar. Um, they've got this Misny guy. And I saw him in that little club at the Cavs game. And I was intimidated, afraid to walk up to him and shake his hand. This is just a couple of years ago. In Rochester, that has almost never happened. There is one exception. But that has almost never happened. In Rochester, for whatever reason, I, st I just feel like I'm playing with house money. Like I kind of feel like... You know, hey, worst case scenario, I just move home. Now, at this point, I got a wife and a kid and a business, two businesses, three businesses, actually. And I can't just move home. But for some re reason, my dumb brain still doesn't understand that. And so I just kind of get away with being a little more, you know, playing a little more loose, being aggressive and shaking everybody's hand that I can see. One exception, and I'll leave you with that. Who was the one exception? I shared it when it happened. I shared who it was. There was one time I was shy to introduce myself to a prominent person in Rochester. <laughs> I got invited to Oak Hill 
where somebody was presenting some sort of award of entrepreneurship to Giovanni Ledestri. And I walked up to Giovanni Ledestri and I couldn't put five words together. I was so freaking intimidated to talk to Giovanni Ledestri. So afraid. I ended up meeting him one other time at, I want to say, Midvale Country Club for the Italian, what was it? Italian American or Brotherhood of Italian or some, some sort of an Italian, one of the local Italian groups was doing, you know, a dinner or something. And Giovanni was there and Weeze was there also. And so Weeze knew how much I loved Giovanni and was like, you got to come talk to Giovanni. And we're standing there and Giovanni invites Weeze to go and be on his yacht because it turns out, you know, Giovanni lives in Miami Beach like half the year and Weeze lives in Fort Lauderdale like three quarters of the year. So uh, anyway, <laughs> was that so I guess there is one exception, one time that I was truly intimidated. All right, I have just pulled into Shone Place, or as it's actually supposed to be pronounced, Shane Place. I'm driving by Lock 32 right now on my way to the other side to get to Copperleaf. Uh, it is supposed to be Shane Place, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Don't kill the messenger. Something we've been over a million times. It's supposed to be pronounced Shane Place, but everyone calls it Shone Place. And I'm walking in. i got to grab a quick picture, put that on social media, and go do some bartending here at Copperleaf Brewing. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I love you, and we will talk next week.